Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Yesterday. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we do discuss the plot and it will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. I am the Eggman. Hello. Yesterday, I watched a film and I am sad to say It was cliched and its plot was lame It was a film called Yesterday Unfortunately, it's not half the film it could have been a good cast let down by poor scripting that's my review of yesterday thanks for joining us everyone that's, <laughs> that's our episode it. on yesterday bye <laughs> oh i worked hard on that that was very good that was very good yeah i thought you were gonna go it was let down by bullshitting <laughs> by the way, the, the cat was fascinated. By the way, for a oh, really? moment, yeah. Was the cat looking at me? She was looking at you. Yeah, oh, I wasn't even looking. I was looking down at my shoes. I was um, shoegazing after the well-known shoegaze band, the Beatles. The Beatles, yeah, very obscure act. You probably haven't heard of them. So, Paddy, <laughs> yes, I'm in a quandary here as to why you've chosen the film yesterday. <laughs> Because as far as I'm aware, you're not a great fan of the Beatles. Well, I am. I, I, I do quite like the Beatles. We've never... This, well, this is the thing. We've never talked about the Beatles, have we? Because I, 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 I say we've had a conversation and you said that you feel as though they're a little bit overrated. No, the, I think they're genuinely, honestly, one of the like really big, massive bands that I wouldn't necessarily say are overrated. Oh, Okay. So, no, I'm a big fan. used to listen to them a lot growing up. My dad's a big fan. And um, do you think they've more or less earned their place in in musical history? Um, I don't think that every song is good. Um, And, you know, some of them, like um, the one that features annoyingly twice in this film, I saw her standing there, is a, um, a problematic pedo anthem. (laughs) But... <laughs> yeah, that that's that's um, the nonce song, right? <laughs> yeah, nonce anthem number one by the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but gen- genuinely, I, I I love their music. I think, yeah, there are some songs that I like more than others, but I do think they're great. So from from that point of view, I was love, interested in the film. You love Bungalow Bill more than any other song. <laughs> yeah, of course. Bungalow Bill and I Am the Walrus. Which, now they missed a trick in this film by not have, getting some, trying to get some comedy mileage out of I Am the Walrus. They do this whole thing about like turning Hey Jude into Hey Dude, which is a boring, stupid joke. When it should have been like he goes in one day and brings them I Am the Walrus, and everyone's like, "What the fuck is this?" That's or, what or, I would have done. Or happiness is a warm gun, and I was yeah. I was waiting for that <laughs> moment where he he's he's like he's run out of the big hits and then he he starts turning towards the weird like um tomorrow never knows or happiness is a warm gun yeah those kind of songs 
Um, but that never Or even happens. like Octopus's Garden or Yellow Submarine. <laughs> yeah, or, or Yellow Submarine. He just comes in one day. Instead of that being used as a like a, a silly plot point as it is used, we'll, we'll get onto that, but he should have just just walked in one day like he's going, we all live in a yellow submarine and the manager's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, he's lost it again. And the thing but is... Like that- gradual, this film should have been about one man's gradual descent into madness in a world deprived of the Beatles. Yeah, that would have been great. Um, but but even some of the songs that they reference, um, like Strawberry Fields, that yeah. is a weird, weird song. Yeah. And, and the evil sharks of the music industry, or because everyone involved in the music industry is bad and is only in it for the money, um, <laughs> they, they would hate hearing. And is also the music fields. industry of like roughly the early 2000s. Yes. Rather than the music Um, industry of now, which basically hardly exists. I have so many things that I hate about this film, but I don't really know where to start. So maybe. Here comes Rob's rant. (laughs) It's all bad. Yeah, I hated this film so much. You got three texts from me, four texts from me. I got quite a few. We almost had a discussion, and that's when you know it's really bad. Yeah, I, I didn't want Usually to. Usually, like, I'll, I'll laugh it off, but I we did engage in some chat. Yeah, I, I didn't want to overdo it because obviously, you know, you want to come to to the episode fresh and and with your opinions. Yeah, um, but God my opinion, damn. which is why would you create a world in which the Beatles don't exist, but Radiohead, of course, still do, <laughs> as you can tell by the posters on his wall. See, in my head, Radiohead have only released post OK Computer Works. <laughs> nothing pre okay uh, nothing pre kid a exists so nothing in... good basically <laughs> i i i have good time uh, i i i have a good word to say about kid a amnesiac and hail to the thief when was when was the bends so the bends was the second album right okay because that's the last time they made anything that's musically enjoyable so you don't like okay computer hmm Wait, what's what hits are on that album? So that's no surprises. Oh, yeah, no surprises. Um, okay, that's good. It's uh, Paranoid Android, mm-hmm. um, Crawling Up the Walls, Don't which know. is which is a my favourite Radiohead jam. It's a very very angry, disturbed song, and I love it. Um, and Karma Police, which I know you don't like. That's a fucking dirge. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you say it was a disturbed song? Yeah. <laughs> Down. But yeah, he's got a poster of Radiohead's album in rainbows on his on the back of his door, in his in his room, which which is all full of like vinyl records or whatever. And like his computer appears to be running a search engine from two thousand and one, but somehow it's also now because there's music on the internet and stuff. And Childish well, Gambino exists. Well, people people love vinyl now. I, I think. I think if I think if this movie was made in about two thousand and five, two thousand and six, him having a vinyl record collection would seem a bit strange. But you know, vinyls made a strong resurgence, so I, I don't I don't think that necessarily felt odd. But what did feel odd? But vinyl is now like an expensive product, isn't it? A guy who works in a warehouse in Lowestoft can't afford that much vinyl. But he had a lot of. He he used to be a teacher. You know that well-known profession for paying incredibly well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but you know yeah he'll, he'll have had more dip- disposable income there, and also a lot of the records. Also, he are, he does live with his parents. Yes, and a lot of the Sanjeev records Baskar are very old, so it may well have been his parents' records. This is true. I, yeah, it was probably Sanjeev's collection, even though he 
does quite well at portraying a man who knows nothing about music. You know who else knows nothing about music? Richard Curtis. <laughs> yes, anyone involved in the making of this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so many things. So, so you know, Paddy and I, we're not music professionals, but we've been But around... we are musicians. But yeah, we're musicians and we've been around a while and we know people who work in the industry. Yeah. Um, and and we 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 spend time with people who are really passionate about music and everything in this movie about the industry is completely wrong, right? It wasn't just me thinking that. Every yeah, single no, it's, it's every single nonsense. plot point that happens in this movie is completely at odds with the reality of the situation, regardless of whether the Beatles ever existed or not. And that's not to say that if you make a film about the music industry, it has to be realistic. Of course it doesn't. But it has to work logically and it has to, you know, if if you get something wrong in service to a good story where you believe the characters, then it's fine. But the thing is that the, the everything's so cliched that you only end up focusing on the cliches, don't you? Like the, the exploitative music manager played by, is it Kate McKinnon? Yes, and, who, and, and Kay McKinnon, fine, she, but she like, does her best here with what is But the character is one material. of the most one-dimensional, cliched, horseshit characters I have ever seen on screen, where she's just literally <laughs> telling the characterization to you every single time. I mean, she literally is all up in his face saying, I see you as a product. And it's like, yeah, great, we get it. That's a famous cliche and myth about the music industry, that they just see musicians as products. Why bother to actually try and make it, you know, some, like... A, a portrayal of something that might have any depth you know why not just come out and say it you know and, and the best why bother making of, a film <laughs> the best example of doing that properly is kill your friends um the, the the novel and then the subsequent film adaptation which is actually pretty damn good i've not um, seen it or read the book it, it's it's great it's american psycho but in the music industry in the 90s it's um very very funny very very violent at times and it has this great clash of people in the industry who care about music and the people who are in it as those kind of stereotypes of like i'm here to make a load of money and the the main character stell fox is there just as this absolute shark who doesn't care but pretends to care enough to get by and um you know, uh, Niven, who wrote the book, he uh, he used to work in the industry. He knows a lot about it, and you can tell that genuine knowledge of what it's like behind the scenes there, and and that seedy element. But at the same time, there's that legitimacy behind it all, um, in terms of understanding how scouting happens, understanding all of that element, which is completely missing from this film. And it yeah. wouldn't have taken a lot to actually add those elements in, just a little bit, to make it feel grounded it just completely flies against the entire reality and and it starts at the beginning so he is playing in pubs and at children's parties yet somehow gets a place playing at latitude festival yeah and but it, in the rubbish tent and it doesn't matter if it's the rubbish <laughs> tent or not <laughs> yeah know? even even at then I, at latitude doesn't have a tent like that incidentally but it's like yeah you'd have to be at a certain level to even be considered for the smallest tent at a festival yeah and and that that if you're thinking about the smallest tent at a decent sized festival like Latitude, at the very least, you would need to have music available online because that is how <laughs> the, fe- the people running the festival understand what your music sounds like. So, yes, yeah, that's the he's- thing. He's giving out CDs in the warehouse where he works. That doesn't that's not how you fucking distribute music anymore. That hasn't been the case since 1992, probably. But, but that's like- 
that's that's post latitude. What I'm talking about here is he has <laughs> not recorded. Sorry, we've gone too far. <laughs> he has not recorded anything up to that point. And yes, festivals often put on people based in the local area. So latitude, Suffolk based festival. They would undoubtedly put on some of the key talent from Suffolk there, but they would put on the people that had released music somehow that they yeah. would then submit to the festival or to the people who are organizing the festival to then go oh this person sounds good let's put them on it doesn't matter if it's only 15 minutes at 11 o'clock in the morning we'll put them on then yeah it but- com- this film completely glosses over the the quite harrowing grind of online music promotion which is something we can <laughs> speak about from experience <laughs> waiting for godot but it's waiting for a promoter to get back to you about playing a shit gig <laughs> at seven o'clock in the evening <laughs> on a night surrounded by grindcore bands yeah um yeah <laughs> so uh, like uh, but you know it doesn't have to be it didn't have to be this bad yeah but this this movie was made for people who don't it was made for people who don't understand anything about the industry and it didn't take any care to even shine a light on that because it wanted to tell this incredibly romanticized story about um the magic of this band the myth of this band and also about how hard it is to make legitimate music in an industry that wants to turn you into a pop star and it's so hard so so the answer to it is you should just give up and become a teacher yeah um (laughs) um i think that the the moral of this story is that ed sheeran should never act in anything again (laughs) oh my god you know i will always defend ed sheeran because i opened for him once did i did i mention that (laughs) i've I've mentioned that on the show before before, i ever told this story i i will always defend him from that point of view he then he was seemed he was a very nice guy and i think he is a very nice person with good intentions but yeah even playing himself in this he is quite wooden but you get the feeling that he phoned it in because he kind of knew it was bad and he knew that it was like portraying the music industry in a way that was wrong um, and that he probably didn't think it was great. But it's like, what is he going to do? Turn around and say, oh, Richard Curtis, you don't know what you're doing. You know, he's a music man. They're film people. He probably thinks, well, they're film people. They know what they're doing when actually he could have turned around and gone, oh, it's actually not really like that. It's not a very good film, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> Did you get what I was referencing there? It's it's one of my favourite stories about David Bowie, um, which came out after his death. Coldplay wanted to do a collaboration with David Bowie, right? And uh, when he heard the song, David Bowie's response was, oh, it's not a very good song, is it? And that was it. That was the end of the discussion, which is, uh, I love love that story so much. And Coldplay, bless them, they didn't take it to heart. They thought it was very funny as well. Um, That's good. But... I think the main issue here with Ed Sheeran isn't that he necessarily thought this was a bad movie that didn't portray things right. It's that you're casting someone who's not an actor as a relatively important character in your film instead of an actor. He did actually have a reasonably big role, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He he plays a very significant role in this because it's he's the catalyst towards him actually getting famous, um, and yeah. he has a lot of lines of dialogue. He's involved again in the mythical one person scenes. who plucks you out to be their support act, as if that would ever happen. <laughs> As if the person, like if the artist would actually have the power to do that, which they wouldn't because the, the tour managers, all of the industry people, that's also an unrealistic industry thing because they'd all be like, well, no, we've got this key. They'd have a queue of about 20 supposedly up and coming bands with tedious managers, all of whom are trying to push their way onto that bill. There's no way that the guy who's like performing in a pub in Suffolk who doesn't have any music online is going to get that gig. But don't you 
don't you get it? The songs are so good that he had to be pushed ahead because the Beatles are so good, yeah? And that's that's what's like kind of a fundamental problem with this film is it that that myth butts up against this myth of the music industry being so harsh and so um, problematic and so like um, exploitative when it also is extremely giving to him as well. Yeah, that that that's the real problem here is it's these two it's these two lies of music. Lie one that if you write a good enough song, you will become a star. Lie two that the industry doesn't care about music. And and instead it's that middle ground where you're not just gonna make it if you're brilliant. You know, um luck is involved, hard work is involved. Just pottering about a bunch of pubs and hoping that someone hears you, that's not going to make you into a star. No. At the same time... The and people... Ed Sheeran got where he got because he did that by massive volume. You know, yeah. he moved to London when he was 17 and he was sleeping on sofas and he was literally playing a gig every single night. It wasn't like he was working in the warehouse and playing the pub every you know, every week or whatever. Yeah, he, he, he hustled was everywhere like mad. And he hustled like mad. And um, if you have that kind of hustle, you can do it. Yes, but even then, it still would take a little bit of luck. Um, there, there, there's a lot of luck involved in being picked out just because there's so many artists and so few people in the industry with such little time. Yeah. Um, and and the, But the people who work in the industry, they are not monsters who just want to make money. Everyone I know who works in, in, in music full-time, so I'm not just talking about people who do part-time promotion, um, they really care about it. Particularly yeah. the people who are doing the scouting and trying to find these new bands. They are passionate about music. And and I found this really infuriating to watch because you never get that idea that anybody other than the people recording the music or the people playing the music actually give a damn about what they're putting out there. But there is this legitimate this legitimacy to the industry that this film just completely ignores in favour of telling this terrible story. Yeah, but it also assumes that the industry is kind of the only way when actually these days and that's not true either when there are kids who just put their music up online and it blows up and there's no one in the industry really involved at all yeah until they reach the point where they want to go and do something significant with it in which case the industry taps them up yeah um and that's where it comes in so you can you can create that following so you know this was clearly a movie made by people who don't understand youtube no who Um, haven't heard of youtubers (laughs) um and, and and Richard and, Curtis doesn't even know who like um, PewDiePie is. He doesn't He's got no idea. <laughs> PewDiePie doesn't he, he get he calls it by the YouTube? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and so yeah, there's there's all these different ways in which this film fails at that basic task of understanding what playing music is like, what trying to succeed at playing music is like, and you didn't really. I found that it was a film that felt very passionless. I don't know if mm. you felt the same way. No, I I, to- I totally agree. You described it in your text as a music film for people who don't like music, and I think that's actually extremely accurate. Oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah. But, you know, you never get the sense that anybody, apart from Lily James and apart from Guy who runs the music studio, Gavin, who runs the music studio next to the train station, yeah. they're the only two people in this film who seem to actually care about music. Our main man lead, lead actor who used to be in EastEnders, who does a, as good a job as possible, by the way. I, I think performance-wise, everyone's doing their hardest here. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not going to fault him. 
no. for his performance, which is good given what he was working with. He can sing really well. He he puts all he puts his heart and soul into it for sure. So now I've got time for him yeah, and I, his performance. I, I don't blame anybody for their performance. I don't even blame Ed Sheeran for his performance because, like I said, he's not an actor. You know, yeah. and he was given the significant role in this film. He's not a trained actor, so you know you're expecting a lot of someone to really. You don't think that he up. got some training on the set of Game of Thrones? <laughs> He was just looking at tits and dragons the whole time. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's what um, Shape of You is about. I'm in love with the tits of dragons. Um, but yeah, so Himesh Patel, you know, he he does I'm a in love he does a Game of Thrones. <laughs> he, he he does he does a, as good a job as he can here. Lily James as well really tries to bring that charm, that that presence, that energy to it. Mm, um, yeah, see, I I like her generally in most things. I think she's good, but in this, she she was extremely irritating. I really hated her performance, and I think it. It's not her fault, but it's this the you know sexist, cliched, it's, awful writing. It's but. the Richard Curtis character, but she was talking in a really annoying way as well, and I don't know what yeah. it was. But yeah. um, and then you've got Sophia Di Martino, um, who I really like. She's in Flowers, an amazing. Television oh, show. that thing with Julian Barrett. Yes, yeah, which is one of my favourite shows. It's like one of those dark comedies that just pitches itself perfectly in that middle ground. You've got Joel Fry, who plays the spacey weird stoner character that appears in every richard curtis movie um he's very i like, very I like him he he was the funniest thing about this film by yes. far yeah and he's a he really was quite, talented quite good as the light relief he's a really talented comedic actor but also he has a lot of presence um dramatically as well which which he doesn't get to show off as much as i think he deserves um so so everybody here they're doing their hardest but this film it doesn't show the grind. It doesn't show the hustle. And I think that's the real problem is at the beginning, he's not really putting in that much effort into trying to be a musician. And you can see Liddy James's character is trying to push him to do more. But all he's kind of doing is just playing a pub every so often. Yeah. And and that just ends up, I don't know, it's hard to say. It just ends up being like the kind of myth. It tries to invert the male genius, the kind of one man male genius myth, doesn't it? By saying that, you know, he only got where he got because of all these songs and that were written by the Beatles rather than one person. And that's kind of a whole theme. But then you've also got one, yeah, as you say, lazy guy being propped up by his female friend and obviously obvious love interest. And that's kind of okay. It's like this kind of slacker guy has everything handed to him, basically. Yeah. And that's the real problem is you never really get that sense of his passion for music. At any point, you know, you you get him disheartened at the beginning and giving up, but then realizing that he can play Beatles songs. But even at that point, there doesn't really seem to be any joy behind it. And apart from in those moments where he says, this is the greatest song ever written, you don't really get that sense of him having joy at playing it. And you kind of think, why are you doing it then? And because that happens quite early on, that sets the tone that he is passionate about it. And then you don't see anything like that again. No. And and so music is a joy and anyone who plays music understands how fun it is just to be in a room with the people you play music with and just hash it out. Yeah. Um, even better when you're playing in front of a crowd of people that, you know, that feeling of playing music and of creating something and being in the same sort of mindset as the four or five people around you and creating something magical out of that, this movie does not represent that whatsoever. And No, not I, at all. That is its biggest failing. In spite of all of the plot issues, the fact that a movie about how great the Beatles are doesn't 
showcase how great music is is just mind-boggling you know yeah it's it's very much just kind of used in service of this hackneyed love story and this story about everything being handed to a lazy man yeah so so this movie has a lot of parallels within time about time Um, about time in time is the that's the sci-fi movie isn't it with Justin Timberlake. I've not heard of that. Yeah, in time. It, we we should watch it. Actually, it's it's got romance. When did it come out? Um, a few years back. It was um, uh, Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried. It was directed by the same guy who did Gattaca, which is an amazing. Oh movie, yeah, yeah. We should also watch for this podcast at some point. Yeah, that's a good um, one. But basically, people stop aging at twenty five, um, but then they have to like constantly top up their age by work and things like that right um so it's kind of like this this spin on working and capitalism and things like that and it's kind of trashy and, and kind like of, youth the endless quest for youth yes yeah and it, it, it's kind of trashy and kind of clever at the same time um like yeah, love we, island we should, like, like love <laughs> island um so yeah we should we should watch that at some point but yeah so yeah, um, sounds um, good um, about time though is the one i'm thinking of yeah which um, we discussed and which i went into thinking actually it's one of richard curtis's better films and then i if i recall rightly i actually didn't enjoy it as much on the second watch because i had seen it before yes is that your recollection that is my I have no idea how many well. episodes ago that was <laughs> however many episodes we've been ago. doing this since the dawn of time <laughs> um but it, but again it it is this key premise that is an instant hook and then they fail to deliver on. And that's the same problem with About Time and Yesterday, where this premise could be really cool. They could do an awful lot with this. Yeah, there's so much don't. you can do with it. Um, and, and whether it, I thought it might, well, no, I didn't, but it's what I wanted to happen was for it to wrestle with the moral quandary of, as you say, getting rich and famous off of other people's songs, but with no one actually ever really finding out. And th- so the, the kind of the the big moment of him admitting it was just in service to the the boring love story rather rather than dealing with the actual huge moral issue of that which is one of i think actually the more interesting things about imagining that situation yeah i think that was really strange that they didn't actually deal with that whatsoever and when they did bring it up that there was these other two people who remembered the beatles i love the russian guy by the way he was my favorite (laughs) he had his little yellow submarine It was great. But all they did was just go, oh, well, thank you for playing them. We haven't heard them and we're glad that someone's bringing it out. Because that would be a factor as well. But if you, there would be someone, if they remembered, who would be like, you shouldn't be getting rich off this man. Yeah. And there should have been that, there should have been that debate where it was like, you know what? It's great that you brought these songs back, but you are getting rich off the work of other people. Yeah. And he says it's okay because when he's standing up there embarrassing his his girlfriend in front of the whole of Wembley Stadium against her will, he says that he's not going to take any money for it, so it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Because he's a good guy. <laughs> Whereas I think you'd at least try and work out some kind of publishing deal where you, where you at least got some kind of income or whatever that would allow you to you know, take a little slice of the pie for being the person who performed the songs and brought them back to a popular audience um, on the understanding that they weren't your songs. There'd, there'd be some kind of thing there, I reckon. And again, you wouldn't just be like, "Oh no, I'm having no money for these songs." When he did, spe- he did invest his time in performing and recording them, even though he didn't write them. Yeah, it seems like a really bold move, but at the same time, think about all the people who put all this money and all this effort into launching that album, who are now going to make zero money off it. No, it's a cuck move for um, sure. He's just fucked people out of their jobs, basically. Yeah, who have worked incredibly hard, who weren't in on the 
the the the fact that he stole these songs all those people in that massive marketing meeting they all lost their jobs because of him yeah exactly <laughs> um but but yeah i i think it's you know we we can think about what we would do but obviously in this world all of the original beatles are still alive it's established with that incredibly yeah. awkward so, moment. Oh, yeah, so, oh yeah, let's do that. Why they go down the creepy CGI John Lennon route, and Paul McCartney's alive. Why wouldn't you not get Paul McCartney in it? He's the best Beatle. Excuse me. The you're going to say fucking George Harrison, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. Fuck you. I knew you were going to say that. George Harrison's great. No, you um, go. But, but they're, George they're, Harrison's songs are not my favourite ones. I love George Harrison songs, but I I, also I just think love Paul, Paul McCartney, McCartney seems like a really cool dude. But Paul McCartney also did Helter Skelter, which is low-key one of the best Beatles songs. So yeah, I, am, yeah. I am with you on that. I can't I, believe I, they didn't use that in this song, in this film. It was because too... the lyrics didn't fit whatever cheesy plot point they were trying to make. But it's they, a banger. They could have at least put on I've Got Blisters on My Fingers after he'd finished <laughs> playing a song. Yeah, instead of him just screaming help after playing the song Help, if it wasn't already quite obvious to the plot, to you seeing that the plot point and the characterization point is that he needs help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was very subtly done, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, really subtle. Um, I hate shitting on movies. I really do. I know, I didn't want to. So the thing is, film... at first, I'm going to admit, I was sucked in by it. I went into it wanting to hate it because I'd already, I knew you'd started watching it ahead of me and that you hated it. But like the, the bits at first, I was like, okay, some of this I can relate to. I can relate to people being disrespectful to you as a musician and like talking over your set and not listening when you're trying to play and all that kind of stuff and your friends and family not really getting it and that kind of stuff. Like I can, I can relate to that. And when he was on the bus and it was, uh, he was also was on the bike and the power cut happens and it's got that kind of keyboard bit from Iron the Walrus. I was like, okay, this might be all right. I can get behind this. But it just descended into cliche so quickly. I mean, I didn't recognise anything there because every time that I've played music, everybody's listened and everyone's always got what I do. Um, <laughs> that's, that's true. Can confirm. Can confirm. Um, yeah. But, but, but yeah, I, I, I appreciated some of those elements, but I thought they were very heavy-handed with it. Yeah. Um, and it got heavier did, and heavier-handed as the film progressed. But I did think that the initial moment where there's that power cut and he gets hit by the bus and then he wakes up and realises nobody... Um, nobody remembers the Beatles. I thought that was actually pretty well done in the same way that in About Time, the initial time travel experience was very well done. Yeah. But what this movie didn't do was was build on that and build a solid structural framework to help you understand the hows and whys. Um, because if the Beatles never existed, the 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 landscape of music would be a very, very different place yeah to and they, what it was. they have fun with that for about two minutes and then they move on back to the the love story and yeah you know, all, if the love story they... is the central thing of the film then that's fine but it's like the, all of that stuff is just there it's low-hanging fruit and it's not the only one they pluck is saying that oasis wouldn't exist which i guess i'd be totally fine with um yeah and, and that's as far as it goes go oh oasis wouldn't exist but in, in but fact... i'd be very happy if wonderwall did not exist <laughs> but, but there'd be fact, some they're... other song that people would shout at you if you picked up an acoustic guitar but yeah, I'd be quite happy for that not to be the case. Play Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciated that there was a mention of Neutral Milk Hotel in this film, even though I'm sure that nobody involved in this film has ever heard a Neutral Milk Hotel song. Neutral Milk Hotel is the earthbound of the music industry in that everyone says it's the most underrated thing. I hate how accurate that is. That's so good. <laughs> the, the, this band that everyone has now listened to is the most underrated thing ever. 
I went to see them live a few years ago. It was really good. Can I tell you something? What? I think they're a bit boring. Oh, fuck you. Like, I, I, you know, they're... they're <laughs> I genuinely love that album. They're, it's a good album, but I find it a bit dull. I'd rather listen to Raging Speedhorn. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's only... The, I, I don't like the whole album. Some of it's a bit weird, but it's... Well, I mean, it's a concept album of Anne Frank. It's extremely weird, but it is still very good. And that song is still lovely. I'd rather listen to Radiohead. (laughs) I really need to put this guitar down. Yes, please do. We've <laughs> got limited really, time. There's a We've lovely um, eight-bit version of that whole album. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember who it's by, but I really, really like it. Somehow, it's an album that shouldn't work in um, eight-bit music style, but actually really does. I'll put it in the show notes. Everything works in eight-bit style. Yeah, Raging Speedhorn. Raging Speedhorn would definitely work in eight-bit. Eight-bit Speedhorn. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. Up in this room. Oh. Um, but yeah, so so. I just feel as though they didn't really explore any of that at all, which I think was a real failure on the movie's part because the the world would be a very different place if the Beatles hadn't ever existed. Um, and, and that wouldn't, there wouldn't be that, that there, there wouldn't just be a vacuum that something else would have filled that void. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in the same way that I don't know if you've ever seen the movie bright. It's a, it's a Is Netflix that exclusive. Will Smith and an, orc cop partner yeah i think i remember seeing the trailer for that and thinking it actually didn't look too bad and then it got bad reviews yeah and and it has exactly the same issue where they basically said rather than what if the beatles never existed it's what if magical creatures still really existed (laughs) always existed Um, always existed but what if they did not not exist but somehow the entirety of our structure of our society is exactly the same apart from there's orcs and elves and fairies in it. And it's, it's like, well, actually things would be very, very different. Yeah. And that's something that this movie really should have done because if Coca-Cola never existed, it would be a very different place. It wouldn't just be that Pepsi existed. Yeah. Or if cigarettes never existed. Yeah. It just kind of plucks out random things to have a joke about them not existing. And after a while, just like, yeah, right. We get it. And I was reading that they actually discussed um, the colour purple not existing, which they then didn't go forward with because they the, realised... Uh, the book by Alice Walker. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but in, instead they decided that apparently because they they find it difficult to stop extras from wearing purple, they, yeah. they didn't proceed with it. Because um, that bloke from Gogol Bordello was there in the background going, start wearing purple. But yeah, maybe something like Gogo Bordello filled the void of the Beatles. Maybe, yeah. It like was all like Ukrainian folk music everywhere. I'd be yeah. okay with that. Yeah, there, there would be something else there. And instead, it just feels weird that they don't ask those questions in this movie. No, not at all. Because again... Richard Cur- for Richard Curtis, it's always in service to a boring love story, isn't it? And some of them are more yeah. or less boring than others. Like in About Time, you believe the love story and you think it's just about okay. But like, yeah, it all just felt like it was in service to this love story that's about a slacker guy getting everything handed to him. And it's boring. And that's the real problem, because in About Time, that 
that romance feels much more genuine than this one. Whereas in this, you never really feel that chemistry that he feels anything other than friendship for her. Yeah. Um, and they talk about it as being in columns, which is just the most cliched, hackneyed fucking horseshit. I cannot stand that kind of stuff. Where it's just like, oh, you're, it's, it's basically okaying the concept of the friend zone, isn't it? Which yeah, she got long been established as like one of the most sexist, misogynist tropes. The 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 beta Lily James and the Chad <laughs> music industry. <laughs> yeah, no, the the worst moment for that that made me want to throw my phone out of the window was the the first moment she actually addresses it when it's like his kind of going away party or something, and she's upstairs, and then she goes, "How did I end up in the friend column?" And then there's like an awkward silence, and then she says, "A girl can tell the difference." And I thought that was like one of the most sexist lines I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> it was it was very bad. Um, and yeah, that... Whole and then he thing... just walks downstairs without saying anything because men can't... Poss- you couldn't possibly show a man on screen dealing with his emotions. You couldn't possibly show a man on screen actually saying something emotional and, you know, expressing himself. No, no. But of course not, because that's not what men are like. And this film legitimizes that shit as well. And that's the big problem, is that by not doing that, you don't really understand that he likes her the same way. Exactly. It's it's not until it's not until really far on in the movie that you think there's some kind of romantic interest on his side for her. Like like basically from the word go, you understand, okay, Lily James likes this guy. Yeah. But the other way around, you don't see it. And then you see her getting into a relationship with very excitable music man gavin and it's like seems like a nice guy yeah that's kind of sweet but then when they get together at the end you think this is a bit weird it doesn't really seem as though there is that chemistry there between them um and so so from a romantic point of view this movie is an absolute failure yeah i agree there's a bit where he goes to liverpool and then she shows up and you're like oh you're actually kind of dealing with this a little bit sooner in the film than i thought but no of course not and of course they don't they get drunk, but they don't have sex. Bullshit, Richard they Curtis. Get, they would they get, have had sex. They get drunk. She says, "Oh, I don't want a one night stand." Which I, I, I kind of see the the, I kind of see the logic behind that. I, I kind of understand that part of the scene. Um, yeah, but because, it also in the in the overall context of it and where it leads, it seems kind of puritanical, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think apparently Anna de Armas was going to be a rival love interest in this movie, oh, but then all of the okay. scenes were cut. So it feels as though there maybe would have been something there where there's more of a there's there's more of that actual right romantic or sexual physical element. Um but that never appeared. So again, it does just feel oh well bloody blah which is very strange because you think about some of the other movies that richard curtis has done and they've never really shied away from sex no i mean as 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 we all know love actually is the film in which bill nye says let's get pissed and watch porn which is one of the (laughs) greatest lines ever committed to cinema exactly or even in about time there's that very awkward possibly rapey sex scene Uh, yeah that's nasty um whereas this completely shies away from any of that which i think is very strange particularly given that again that's something that could be explored he's an incredibly successful beloved pop star who is singing about how he wants to fuck 17 year old girls um and especially given john lennon's sexual history (laughs) of yeah um it's it's yeah it's it doesn't really address any of that again which is very weird because that would be a prime time for to have that kind of element like is he going to change by being the star 
And equally, is that something that he's going to dive into to try and fill the void of the fact that actually he didn't write any of these songs? And every time he suggests playing one of his own songs, it gets shot down. Yeah, which happens a couple of times. But again, it doesn't feel like that's really properly dealt with. And that that kind of that, as you say, that moral quandary and all of that stuff about him becoming a star and changing as a person, you actually don't really get the feeling that he has changed as a person and she says that he she says to his face she tells the plot to his face you've become a different person but you don't actually believe it because he's the same bumbling guy yeah he doesn't feel like he's changed at all um also you can't frolic in the mersey tunnel (laughs) there's a bit where they're literally like frolicking cavorting in the mersey tunnel and there's no cars coming and then like it looked like a car was coming, but it was actually some of that art that looks like fucking word art from the mid two thousands, and it like you know all those like letters that keep appearing, and then I'm just like I was just like, come on, sweet word art, come and crush them both. <laughs> Mate, those Liverpool scenes were so cringe. Yeah, awful. it was really awkward. It's like, um, hey, we're we're putting we're putting some places outside of London on film. <laughs> yeah, it just and like. It, oh, it was just so so cringeworthy all of those bits about like i'm going to the home of the beatles it's like okay mate yeah sure here's a, a picture yourself. of the sign that says penny lane yeah great i want i want them to make a movie like this apart from it's it, it's if the cure never existed oh and, and they have to go to crawley <laughs> go to crawley <laughs> or suede never existed and they come to haywards heath to oh, see haywards geez. heath no, they have to go to oh. the Hollywood Bowl in Crawley, to the Megaplex. <laughs> yes. Where Robert Smith hangs out all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, Richard Curtis. If you're listening. If you, we know you're listening. You love it. We've you have got might an idea it. for a film called The Love Cats. <laughs> oh my God, yes, The Love Based Cats. Based on The Cure's worst song. <laughs> Excuse me. I hate that song. I love The Love Cats. Awful bit um, of weird or- cheesy jazz nonsense. <laughs> with kind of I, I don't mind it when the big brass kicks in in the middle i guess i like that yeah but you or, know it's got um, nothing on lullaby or um but Friday, i mean i'm in love or any of those those ones or anything off disintegration which is the greatest album ever made just putting it out there it's going you go you're going high yeah, I love I love this interview. Go big or go home. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, you could call it the Love Cats or Close to Me or ah, something like good. that. Um, and boom, 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 boom. that now that has got a funky saxophone bit in it. Yeah, I like that with the octopus in the video. Oh, gotta love it. Um, yeah. It, Okay, right. We're we're laying this out there. This is our next movie. We're doing we're doing close to me. So the cure never existed. If the cure never existed, there is a lightning strike on this guy's house at four thirteen in the morning. Like, and he's like album. a goth guy. Yeah, it's a goth guy. Miserable um, failed goth. Um, and poof, lightning strike four thirteen in the morning exactly whilst he's having a dream, because we're just going to shovel in all of the Cure references <laughs> constantly throughout this film. Um, and then he wakes up, and yeah, the Cure never existed. And so, like, the big goth bands of the era are just like J- Jesus and Mary Chain, or or that kind of stuff instead. Yeah, that's, Sisters that's taken... of Mercy, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Sisters of Mercy. Um, what, was the, what was the industrial band that was around? The Thrill Kill Cult. That, that that those are all the big ones and so there's this big lovely harmonic 
pop goth element that's missing and he just starts and we'll set it in maybe he goes back in time so so we we do like a kind of um time travel thing as well a bit of back to the future and he he wakes up in in the 80s um where where they've never existed and he just starts playing their songs and, yeah and and help shape. oh and then you can have loads of fun 80s nostalgia exactly and exactly. then the way that um yesterday picks it up when he's on the james corden show and they're asking loads of questions that you know tell that feed that myth of like music was only good when it was one man with a guitar kind of bullshit um you can have that kind of stuff going on but with like oh in the 80s everyone was all synthesizers and big hair and stuff and it's all like the the cure have to come and stop everyone from listening to a flock of seagulls or whatever <laughs> yeah they're there. it's basically like that scene in la la land where he goes to he's playing she goes to the plot the party and he's playing like an 80s tribute act and he's playing um they're playing iran <laughs> yes <laughs> and he's exactly. just like hitting one thing on the guitar which it's is actually a, quite a funny scene it is you, the, whatever the you one, thought of that film the one good scene in that film um yeah so so yeah so so we have it you know it goes back in time and and they they form the cure that yeah. kind of thing um but then you could have other band members as well that's the thing about this it's so focused on him that you get bored of him when the beatles were four guys you know you could have done something with that as well i think in fact we could go down the full pastiche route and it could be a cure covers band yeah for sure. Um, so Cure, Cure covers band. And everyone thinks it's their own songs. Yeah. And then they're like, oh my God, we're going to do it. And, and like, you could even have a little cameo where like, or, or, or like you could have the terrible CGI early Robert Smith appearing and going, oh, I love this music. I wish I hadn't become an accountant. <laughs> yeah. No, he works at the Megaplex in Crawley. Yeah, he's, exactly. he's the manager of the Crawley Megaplex. Exactly. Um, and then he um, know if he can tell just by looking at you what size you'll be in bowling shoes because it's not yeah. always the same. Yeah. Um, and um, and yeah, and I think they could do that whole thing, and then maybe at the end, uh, they realise that they they don't feel comfortable uh, doing these songs anymore, and that's when they come to realise, you know, we need to go out and we need to play our own material. And then that's the moral of the story is they're going to go out and be a creative band and not just cover the Cure songs. And then they flash forward in time back to where they are going forward. So maybe maybe it all culminates with them playing this big show. And at the end, they say, we've got a new song for you tonight. And it's the first song they've ever written together as a band. Yeah. And the audience loves it. And the crowd goes wild. And And Robert Smith's there down the front. And he's like, yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, it, it brings some some love back into my poisoned heart, yeah. and then, and then that night, or or maybe the lightning strikes the arena again that they're playing at, and then bam, they're back in modern day. Yeah, because that was always up. the worry with this one that that was the how they were going to do it, wasn't it? Everyone was going to suddenly realise that the Beatles were there, and then he'd be like, "Hey, I'm this big star," and they'd be like, "No, you're not." And that was what I thought that that was when they were going to get Paul and Ringo to come up and be like, "What are you doing, man? Taking our songs." taking our songs yeah Ringo be furious <laughs> um yeah mate I wanted a Beatles cameo in this movie and I'm kind of disappointed that there wasn't yeah one. I was sure that Paul McCartney was going to show up in a uh, way I'm kind of glad that he didn't because he didn't demean himself no because you know what he does turn up in Wings the band the Beatles could have been 
I'm responsible for getting Paul McCartney out of wings. You idiot. He was the best one. I can't remember what Simpsons episode that's in, but it's in the Simpsons somewhere. Um, yeah, um, he, he is in Bojack Horseman as himself. Really? Yeah, he turns up in Bojack I Horseman voicing himself. It's great. Um, Brilliant. But yeah, he is a ledge. Uh, yeah, uh, I've got time. I've got time for Paul. I mean, I've got time for all of them. Yeah, yeah, you know. for sure. They're all good in their own their own different way. Yeah. Um, Ringo, I have a massive soft spot for Ringo because he nominated, he uh, narrated um, Thomas the Tank Engine, which Indeed we watched when we were children. Indeed, he did. Um, but yeah, you know what's not good though? Yesterday. Yesterday. It's a very bad. Yeah, um, it's a shame. And it lumbers towards its inevitable oh. conclusion in which he's at Wembley Stadium, of course, because Ed Sheeran's let him come on at Wembley Stadium like without even checking what he's going to do, as if that would happen either. And then there's a backstage camera, which is not a thing. That does not exist. And then he gets Lily James's face up there against her will in front of 80,000 people. He just turns on the camera to make this grand gesture. It's like when people do public proposals to people who are actually extremely not into that kind of thing. It's a real dick move, isn't it? It's a and it's like a power bullshit. move as well because what if you if you don't want to say yes to that person it's not going to happen in front of eighty thousand people is it? Yeah, it's 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 a proper bullshit move that proper scumbag move. Yeah, um, I I hated the end of this film yeah, so much. so bad. And then as soon as they go home and they kiss, that's it. The film's literally over, and there's like a bit of Harry Harry Potter. Ron in a fat yeah, suit esque stuff where they see them got them with children. Now which, we've got because kids. everyone has to have kids. And now I'm going to become a teacher again, and all the kids are going to love it. Yeah, and then he's going to sing Obla Di Obla Da with the kids, which is one of the worst Beatles songs. Yeah, and, and that that, ra- that raises a really disappointing thought in my mind. Yeah. Is that why Obla- wasn't he singing I Am the Walrus with those kids? <laughs> Fuck's sake, Goo Goo Kachoo. It's Goo Goo Kajube. Actually, goo 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 <laughs> Yeah, and then he's saying that to the kids. He's like, "Come on, kids, goo 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 <laughs> Who but wants no, to be the Eggman? Yay! But I, I was, I was thinking, oh god, if if Obla Di Obla Da doesn't exist, that means that why don't you get a job by the Offspring doesn't exist? <laughs> I do not want to live in a world where the Offspring don't exist. No, and and so you know, I still have a real soft spot for them. You'll still have original prankster. You'll still have um, all of their other big hits. Off, what was it? Conspiracy Pretty of fly One for a white guy. Conspiracy of One was their album, right? The 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 their best. No, Amer- Americana was the one before that. That had Pretty Fly for a White Guy. But Conspiracy of One was the best one, right? Or- yeah. Um. But yeah. So so like. I I. I- uh, and and that raises the other point it's just so many songs that ripped off the beatles wouldn't exist and yes they make that joke about oasis not existing but like that's pretty pretty lame fodder for that isn't it but again yeah, this is a film for people fruit. who have heard of no bands so they've probably heard of oasis yeah exactly so they everyone knows oasis sound like the beatles so that's why they chose neutral milk hotel because actually probably 90 percent of the film people who watch this film haven't heard of Neutral Milk Hotel, so they think that's made up, and they're like, ha-ha, it's funny that a band would be called that. See, I, but I think that Neutral Milk Hotel have, they've reached that level of, like, people know the name as this underrated great 90s band. And I think that's that, that's the people that the audience are trying to reach, that the movie's trying to reach from an audience perspective, is the people that have heard of them, but obviously have never actually listened to them, but they know in their frame of reference, they're that underrated 90s band. I get this reference. 
Yeah. That made two albums and then disappeared. Oh, but then they came back. Indeed. Indeed. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. And as if I he wouldn't know. take any money from it as well. Bullshit. I, I don't know if it's Even just living the, in Lowestoft costs money. I, I don't know if it's just that we, we are too passionate about music to really enjoy this film. Yeah, I'm sure that probably most of the people that saw it thought it was fine. And it seems as though, from an audience perspective, it's done all right. You know, it's got a pretty decent rating on Metacritic and IMDb from audiences. It's got oh, middling. It? It's got middling reviews from critics, which I think is understandable. Um, because what people like is when, rather than subtly implying that something is a poison chalice, you literally tell them that it's a poison chalice. Yes, that's what they like. Those words literally come out of a character's <laughs> mouth. Um. But yeah, and and at least Kate McKinnon is kind of giving us a nod and a wink. She's so over the top. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And that is the point, but it still feels like you could have just pulled back the, the words a little bit. You can't fault her performance. No, no. Um, but God, this is... <sighs> Mate, I hated this film so much. Yeah. I, I really... I, I'd be I quite really happy to like never it. see this film again. I thought that Marriage Story would be the most annoying <laughs> film I watched for a while. No, this is I, this is worse than Marriage Story. Yeah, like oh, actually, would would you rather watch this again or watch Marriage Story again? I'd much rather watch Marriage Story. See, again. I actually, even though I did not like this film, I think I'd rather watch this again than Marriage Story because some of the stuff, some of the music stuff, is nice, and I like the Beatles songs. So there's a bit of enjoyment there aesthetically that is absent from Marriage Story. <laughs> but what about Randy Newman? Oh, this is true. I love falling apart. <laughs> um, but, I still think that's the best thing we've ever done. I d- definitely agree. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd rather watch Marriage Story because there is something interesting about Marriage Story, if only in the way that it's directed at times, in the way that the performances are so strong, that this movie just does not have because this movie is so safe Wait. and. Adam Driver has to play the goth child in the The Cure movie. Yes, I'm down. He'd, with be, that. he'd actually be great at that. He would be good, but can he do an English accent? I'm sure he can. When he, when he's done with Wizard Cop Five, this will be his Wizard next Cop film. Five. We'll have we'll have to have a look around at people who actually. I tell you what, Taron Edgerton. No, he's done he's done Elton John. He could do he's it. He's done Elton John. He's also got a similar face shape to mm. young robert smith yeah we found our robert smith lookalike for close to me nice i still okay. haven't seen rocket okay. man oh it is good we should watch it I, should. I know it's not yeah. really that romantic but is I there any enough... is there a bit of romance in it there is there is yeah that's definitely. enough um and there's so... probably still a better romantic story than yesterday then to be fair <laughs> well it's 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 more uh about how someone can be undermined by romance but I still think it's well. More that's good. That's an interesting yeah. thing for us to talk about. I, I think it's more interesting than this from a romantic perspective. So definitely, cool. we should definitely watch it. Um, I was just going to say I do love Sanjeev Baskar, and I will always stand him because he gave me my PhD. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was the Chancellor of the University of Sussex. I think he oh, still he? is, but um, he was then, and he was he was amazing at the graduation. He was he was brilliant. He gave a hilarious speech that was you know funny but also down to earth and just really nice and he genuinely was like really stoked to hear about my thesis and stuff yeah lovely guy 
Oh, brilliant. Who and, I think um, is always like funny in these kind of roles. He is. And Mira Sorrell is really good as yeah, well. Yeah, she was great. And they're um, married in real life. So it was really nice to see oh, them on screen as, a, nice. as an on-screen couple. That was lovely. Um, and so, again, it comes down to the fact that the people who are in this are really doing a good job or as good a job as they can do. Yeah. But there's only so much you can get out of a, a script this wooden. Yeah. And, and an idea so broken. It was definitely wooden. And also... Even in Moscow, Ed Sheeran would be playing a fucking massive stadium, not somewhere that looks like the Mean Fiddler in London. Remember the Mean Fiddler? <laughs> I remember the Mean Fiddler. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it's weird, isn't it? It all feels so fake. This movie feels so fake. Yeah, it's extremely fake. And the thing is that it's trying to be a story about authenticity, and that I think is why it feels so fake. Yeah. Yeah, it it's it's desperately trying to be genuine. Um and so it's about one man's quest to be genuine and it thinks that it gets there, but it doesn't. No. And I think what disappoints me so much is that this is from Danny Boyle as well, who I don't know, I think Danny Boyle has done a lot of tremendous films. Mhm. Um you know, um from it's a very different movie to this one but 28 days later i think is one of the greatest horror movies ever made um he's got know, he's got a broad skill set danny boyle he does he's got he that does, you got you sunshine know. slumdog millionaire yeah. 127 hours as the well 2012 olympics um train spotting he's i forgot he's that he did s- train spotting he's done so much great stuff and this feels like a real it feels so much worse than anything else i've seen from him but that's because it's a it's it's not a danny boyle film it's a no, richard curtis no. film that he directed as a favor to his mate and and i just feel as though it's doing him a disservice as well absolutely um because he's a he's a really good director i know that danny boyle appreciates the genius of i am the walrus i know you look at that face that's a man who's listened to i am the walrus at least 50 times yeah <laughs> um the boy and walrus. yeah so so what 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 weird Beatles songs would you like to have seen? Um, I would have liked to... Even some of the less weird ones, like Come Together or Lady Madonna, which is oh, a personal favourite of a friend of the podcast, Adam Molesky. He used to put that on and jump about at school a lot. That's true. Yeah, Come Together doesn't appear at all. No, and that would have been a good one for like, the scenes where he's rocking out. But instead, they chose to let him do Back in the USSR twice. And that's the thing. They've got those... Just so they can make a point that he was in Russia. I'm in Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how could you not do Come Together? Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Um, Drive My Car, Norwegian Wood. (laughs) Oh, Norwegian Wood. Isn't it good? No, it is not. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is not. Um, Even Blackbird singing in the dead of night. You know, there could have been a nice moment where, like, he serenades her to get her back by singing that song while they're having a nice moment instead of them frolicking in the Mersey Tunnel. We should have just sat on a bench and done that. Yeah, it's they really didn't make the use of the deep cuts. Yeah, um, or even they so, could have gone as far as having "Live and Let Die." You know, I mean, going down some kind of he goes <laughs> yeah. solo like Paul McCartney route. Yeah, exactly. Um, or what? <laughs> What are the other great solo songs from the Beatles? Um, obviously, everything that the Yoko Ono band did. Yeah, and then um, he, he, sh- he should have got up and done "Imagine," and then everyone should have pelted him with rotten fruit for singing <laughs> such an 
awful dirge. Or, or that's that's they, like the one of my most hated songs ever. I hate it so much. I think they should have done some of the real bullshit off the White Album, like <laughs> Wild Honey Pie. I yeah. think would have gone down great. Or um, Golden Slumbers and carry that weight. You know, yeah. it would have been so good if we'd done that. Um, he everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey. <laughs> <laughs> have been a good one or um, maxwell's silver hammer <laughs> yeah. glass onion you know? <laughs> glass onion um, i'm gonna write dear richard curtis <laughs> <laughs> these are all the great beatles songs you missed from your film i, I have you seen bastards. your film about the beatles and i have some notes <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um instead they just spent loads of time on let it be and hey jude yeah which are, you know, good songs, but very obvious. And I think, again, that that's the real difference between this movie and, like, the Mamma Mia films, where they both serve up the odd deep cut from from ABBA, but oh, also... Loved it. Mamma Mia too. even the bit on on the boat, and they do, um, why did it have to be me? Brilliant. Yeah. Genius. Um, but but even then, they they understand sort of where they can build in the well-known songs to make it cohesive to the storyline. Whereas I feel as though Yesterday doesn't really do that and they just get thrown in at random or just so on the nose that it hurts like we're back in the USSR. Yeah, and it's it's not a proper musical. So it's not necessarily a fair comparison to something like Mamma Mia, but it's but you can it tries to do, it tries to integrate the songs in a similar way and fails. So I, yeah, I guess can, it is a fair comparison on that level. And and I don't think they even bother trying to build them in at the right place because they just kind of turn up here and there. Like yet when he plays yesterday for the first time, that makes sense because he's very sad. Yeah. Um, but the, the the rest of the time they don't really fit in where they could do. And there's there's times when they really could have worked incredibly well, but they just kind of threw them in willy nilly and it didn't work at all. Yeah. They threw them in, Willie Nelson. So I'm. Do you have much else to say about this film? No, I, I, I think we've. I think we've covered it. So one more question for you: What's your favourite Beatles album? Uh, I don't know. And this is the thing: is I'm more into individual songs with the Beatles because there are so many of them that it's actually really hard to pick an album. Do you not find that? No. Sergeant Pepper's good. <laughs> I've got a. I've got an obvious favourite album, which I love. The white. Uh, is it the white album? No, I mean, I do actually really like the White Album, in spite of its bullshit. (laughs) I still have a real soft spot in my heart for it. Um, But for me, it's Revolver. Oh, yeah. That is a good album right there. Um, No, I I think I would have to say the best of the Beatles. The best of the Beatles. (laughs) I really love the early ones, actually, like Hard Hard Day's Night and... um, even even please please me it's got there's still yeah. some great tunes on there oh no points marked down for i saw her standing there i guess i'm just looking through now <laughs> um to be fair though um abba gold is the is the very best good. way to listen to abba yeah so i suppose the beatles is the same really um because yeah. that way you don't have to put up with the bullshit but you then never hear songs like tomorrow never knows if you if you ignored any of the weird shite that they did, yeah. Oh, you know what? If um if the Beatles didn't exist, then when I'm um I get by with a little help from my friends, it wouldn't exist, and then that awful version of that by Joe Cocker wouldn't exist to soundtrack <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson's t- TV show, The Grand Tour. So presumably that wouldn't exist either. So maybe it wouldn't be swings so bad. and roundabouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we lose a lot of joy, but also we lose bad things too. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah. So, um, okay, right. I've got a bit of trivia here. Yeah, hit me. Um, so apparently, because of the release of this, it delayed the release of No Time to Die, the new James Bond film. Another reason to hate this movie. <laughs> Why? Um, <laughs> don't know. It's just mentioned as a reason for its delay, whether it was... Um, Were any whether... actors in both films? No, but maybe it's just the scheduling yeah. um, of it. Um, Robert Carlyle was John Lennon. Oh, really? Yep, uncredited. He looked, looked a lot like him. I'll give him that. Um, obviously, Paul McCartney uh, fell off a moped and chipped his front teeth, which is the reference of him falling off his bike and breaking his front teeth. Oh, I, d- I didn't know that. Um, and um, there is a Helter Skelter reference, apparently. I didn't recognise it. But towards the end of the film, Jack and his family are seen riding a spiral slide. Uh Yeah. I mean, Again, they should have really just, on the nose. Why they didn't they just had, have him performing it? It's a tune. They should, they should have had Charlie Manson turning up. That's a very good point. Would Charlie Manson have still murdered everybody if Helter maybe Skelton not? Maybe had? not. Maybe you just saved some lives. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but then we never would have got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the more the more we talk about this, the more it starts to seem like it might be okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, um, so right, okay, that'll do. That'll do for do for it. Um, so, are you ready to rank this? Yeah. How are we going to rate this out of twenty? As is, I want. <laughs> How many days ago did your trouble seem so far away? That's good. That's good. I like that. You've been thinking. You've been sitting on that one, haven't you? I, I have not. That is that is um, spontaneous and creative, unlike the main character of this movie, who can only play other people's. Songs. Nice travel seen so far away. Six days ago. That might yeah. be. That might be generous. I don't know. I was going to but... go with four. I did not like this film. Yeah. Four days ago, my trouble seemed far away. Yep. Now you've seen this film. They're here to stay. I fucking hate yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame because not a bad concept, is it? But it's just very no. It could executed. it could have worked very well, and I think our version with the cure is going to be incredible. It's going to be a hit. Um, I can't yeah, wait. It is. It is. Taron, we'll be in touch. Yeah, Taron, we know you're listening because you always do, and we love you. Come on, mate, get on board. We're gonna we're gonna turn you into another great music sensation. Yeah, it'll be just like heaven. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I love that one, mate. I oh, they're so good, so good. Now, what are we watching next? So we're going, we're getting back on track, Paddy. That's all I'm saying. We're going, we're getting back on track. We're gonna go for what is going to be prime big boys content right here. We're going to be watching To All The Boys P.S. I Still uh, We were watching the trailer for that just before we started recording. Oh, very good. But then I had very to stop the, watching the trailer because I was like, this trailer is literally the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we opened Netflix and that was on and it was like number one in the UK today. Maybe oh, because well, tomorrow is Valentine's too. Day. But um, Excellent. Yeah, well, brilliant. We're, we're watching that next. Good choice, good choice. All right, well, been recording for a while, so I think all we need to do is to say goodbye. Thank you for listening, 
and thank you for watching yesterday if you did. If you didn't, I don't know, is it still worth watching? There are probably better ways you can spend your time. Maybe go and listen to Beatles instead. Go and watch Mamma Mia. Put on Glass Onion. Go <laughs> on Glass Onion, yeah. Uh, yeah, go and watch Mamma Mia and then Mamma Mia 2. Yeah. Because that way you get the good Lily James content as well. That's true. That's true. That's, that is good. Good Lily Lily James content. Because like we're we're a podcast that stands Lily James. Yeah, She's yeah, great. for sure. Um, it's just this film is bad. Yes, we still love everyone involved, but this was bad. To all the films we've loved before, <laughs> you are better than yesterday. <laughs> Definitely, that is a poem. All right, yeah, thanks a lot for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. We're on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod, on the emails at Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. Um, please do get in touch and share, like, rate, comment, and subscribe, etc. And we'll be back next week to talk about what's it called? Two, two, all the boys I've loved before, two boys. Like, <laughs> number right. two, yeah. That's right. The sequel to that film that was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. right. Bye-bye. Bye. I am the egg.